and Nikki's got a really powerful portrait for us today. So why don't we welcome Nikki to the platform? Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Last week, Matt delivered one of the best messages I have heard on a portrait of being grateful or thankful. And if you didn't have a chance to check that out, you can find it on our YouTube channel. Uh, it was challenging to the core, but it has definitely framed my week this week. And I'm sure that that was true for many of us. So I would really encourage you to go back and take a look at that if you haven't had a chance already. Today, I'm going to be thinking about a guy in the Bible who I love, Caleb. He's an absolute legend, and I'm going to tell you more about why in just a moment. But before I do, some of you may know that Pete and I were both secondary school teachers, and I remember a time where I was going into the school where Pete was already teaching whilst I was doing my training just for a short placement and whilst I was there, the plan was that I would observe some really great teachers delivering the subject that I was doing, which was languages, but also get a feeling for a different kind of school and check out some of the great kind of best practice among the teaching staff. And I definitely managed to do all of that. But there was one guy in this school who stood out. He caught my eye. It wasn't Pete, by the way, just in case that's where you think I'm going. I love him, but it wasn't Pete. This guy was a cleaner. And I remember watching him at the end of the day where literally the school hall just looked like it had been ransacked. It doubled up for lunchtime. So you can imagine, you know, all these secondary school students piling in and there were bits of like chip and ketchup and chewing gum and all sorts across this beautiful floor. And this guy came in and he would clean the floor, but the whole time he was cleaning the floor, he had a smile on his face and he had his worship music cranked up. And he would just do his job cleaning and he just stood out. You know when some people just light up a room, you couldn't help but notice him. He was doing a job that actually to most of those students would have been completely invisible. They would have just walked into the hall the next day, no clue that Ben had been tirelessly cleaning. But he stood out to me. To me, he was definitely visible by, by nature of the way he did stuff. This guy had a different spirit. And I remember asking Pete just a little bit about Ben. I was like, oh, what's the story with that cleaner? He's just so full of joy. There's something about him. And Pete said, well, you know what? I had a really interesting chat with him because one day he'd finished cleaning the, the changing rooms. Pete was a PE teacher. And the changing rooms just, I mean, the word I would use is rancid, rancid. And um, Pete had also noticed that Ben would come in and he would just clean these changing rooms with such a great disposition, with such a joy. And so one day he was like, Ben, just tell me a bit about you. I, I just can't help you stand out to me. Tell me your story. And Ben had arrived from Ghana. He had left the rest of his family behind. And he was sending money home to his family each week and really missing his family. Um, but he was a qualified teacher. And his qualifi qualification wasn't recognized here. So instead, this guy who was qualified to do what all of those teaching staff that I was there to observe was faithfully cleaning. And Pete said, man, don't you ever just get fed up? Like, don't you just think, oh, I could or should be teaching and here I am doing this. 
And he said, no, you know what, Pete? I do everything that I do as unto the Lord. And it's my joy to serve him. And it just, it, it, this guy just blew us away. He had a different spirit. And that, my friends, is exactly what God had to say about Caleb. I mean, can you imagine God of the universe giving you a review that said that you had a different spirit, that you're someone that stood out to him? All of those billions of people that he has created, for him to say about this guy, my servant Caleb has a different spirit. He stands out to me. There's something about Caleb that I especially love. I don't think God has favorites, but Caleb stood out for all the right reasons. How come? Let's take a look. I'm going to be drawing from Numbers 13 and 14 today, as well as Joshua 14. If you have a Bible, you can feel free to follow along. I'm only going to be able to put up a few of the relevant verses because that's a lot of ground to cover, my friends, and we don't have time for that. So, the brief. Twelve men are sent out to spy out the promised land, the land of Canaan. If you remember, the Israelites, they've been wandering around. They left Egypt in a miraculous way, left a life of slavery. But they have 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And they've been told that God is going to give them a promised land. And the moment has pretty much arrived And the brief is, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, and this is God talking, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. So I love how God sometimes does that. He gives a little heads up, ta-da, it's yours, it's going to be tricky, but it's yours, I'm giving it to you. And And then Moses gathers together the 12 tribe leaders, so these are leaders, of which Caleb is one, and he gives them a brief and he says, okay, I want you to go, see what the land is like. And whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some fruit of the land. So these 12 spies, they go off on their mission and they scout out the land of Canaan. And they come back after 40 days. So they have quite a long time exploring this land and take a look. And they come back and they bring a report, not just to Moses, but to all of the people. So everyone's gathered and they're about to describe what they've seen. And the majority bring back this report. We went to the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit, and they've brought back some grapes and some pomegranates and some other bits and bobs. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, and that basically means giants. There are giants living in the land. But Caleb brings back a different report. It says this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. I love this guy. He stands out, doesn't he? But the men who had gone up with him said, 
We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. I mean, that is a beautiful exaggeration, isn't it? By, that's a stretch. Um, all the people we saw there were of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. A different spirit, Caleb. So what made his spirit different? What made one guy stick his neck out and see something entirely different? I've got four things I want to put to us this morning that makes up a different spirit. Firstly, Caleb had a different vision. What do you see? What we see is important. Twelve people saw the same land for 40 days. But Caleb had an entirely different lens. To be fair, we think Joshua did too. God was quite pleased with Joshua. But he doesn't say that same thing about Joshua. So maybe Caleb was really, really in favor of the land. Caleb looked at the land and where everyone else saw obstacles beyond the immediate sacrifice, beyond the reality, he saw himself and subsequent generations inhabiting that land. The guy is a dreamer. That's one of the things that sets him apart. He's not afraid to look at the giants, to look at the issues, to look at the impossibility and allow God to breathe dreams into his heart. He looks at the land and he sees the milk, the honey and the fruit, not the giants or the strength of the walls. Caleb sees possibilities and potential rather than problems. And that's a challenge to me because honestly, a lot of the time when I'm faced with something tricky or something that looks tough, I'm inclined to notice all of the problems before I see the potential. But a different spirit sees hope and a different spirit sees home. A different spirit dreams with God. Those who dream what could be different with the help of God, are the ones who often go on to make the most difference. It all begins with vision. And I love this quote from T.E. Lawrence. Listen to this. All men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds wake up in the day to find it was vanity. But... The dreamers of the day are dangerous men, for they may act their dreams with open eyes to make it possible. I love that quote. A different spirit, my friends, sees grasshoppers when everyone else sees giants. And that was Caleb. He saw beyond reality. He didn't deny the obstacles or the challenges, but he could look past them with eyes of faith. And he saw something greater. He had a compelling vision of the greatness and goodness of his God. And that's what enabled him to say it could be done. That's what prompted him to stand alone in his convictions. He wasn't afraid of danger, risk, or even defeat. But he didn't only see beyond reality. Caleb also saw beyond himself, and I love this, because his vision wasn't about him. It was for more than just him. 
It was for the future of his people. It was for his children and his children's children. He imagined them flourishing, growing up in that exceedingly good land. He took a long view and he was willing to risk his life to change the narrative for the next generations. My friends, if you're sitting here today and you're a natural dreamer, I'm with you. But don't let your vision begin and end with you. Don't let your vision begin and end with you. If it does, I want to put it to you that it's too small. Because God rarely gives us dreams that are simply for our own life, our own family, and our own benefit. Kingdom dreams are wider and broader, built with generations in mind. And I wonder if some of us are sitting here today and we have dreams on the shelf. Things that we dismissed or got talked out of when we were younger. Things that we just pushed to one side in the reality of the daily grind. What could be different on your watch because you dared to dream when God nudged you? What part of the kingdom are you called to build? What status quo could you defy by refusing to see what everyone else sees and instead fixing your eyes on the big kingdom picture that God has shown you? Vision is the first step to changing the narrative for you and for others. But Caleb also brings a different report. I love that. He has a different language. He's not speaking the same language as his peers. Let's take a look. He says this in Numbers 14, verse 7 to 9. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Unfortunately, Caleb the dreamer is not well received, and we read in the next verse that the whole assembly talked about stoning him and Joshua to death for their positive report. We can certainly do it. That's what Caleb's faith spoke out. He vocalized his vision. When his peers could only speak the language of can't, he spoke out the language of can. Where they brought and spread negativity, this guy came in the opposite spirit. Exceedingly good, flowing with milk and honey. In a moment where the majority said it could never be done, this was a guy who defied them. And that is the type of conviction that can change the world. That's what a different spirit looks like. It's an audacity. It's a level of courage and confidence in God and his promises that seems like lunacy. But where did it come from? Well, I want to put it to you that it came from a different conviction. Because he says this, I brought back a report according to my conviction didn't come from some sort of positive thinking. He wasn't just speaking out some kind of mantra. No, his good report came from this deep inner conviction, a solid underlying faith in who God is. And that, my friends, set him apart. When we articulate the language of faith, to some it definitely seems reckless, and to others it may seem laughable. But Caleb was convinced not in his own ability, not in his leaders, 
and definitely not in his people who were running around like headless chickens. No, he was convinced and convicted by the character of his God. And he says, he'll lead us. He'll give it to us. He's with us. What's my confession? What's my report? What comes out of our mouths has power to tear up or tear down? Sorry, to build up or to tear down, to create or to destroy. What's your inner conviction like today? You see, people with a different spirit speak a different language. They don't deny the reality of the problem, but neither do they downplay the reality of their faith in a loving and gracious God, a God who is with us even when he calls us to step into a land with giants. Caleb was a man who saw, spoke, and acted like a giant, while his peers saw, spoke, and acted like grasshoppers. Next up, he had a different heart. Numbers 14, 24, this is God talking about Caleb, and he says, but Mike, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. And that's one of the things I love most about this guy. He's all in. He's wholehearted. He's completely and utterly devoted. You meet people like that all the time, don't you? When someone is really passionate about something that they're, they're doing, maybe they're running a charity or maybe there's something that they are doing and they're just all in for it and you talk to them and they're just totally and utterly contagious. This guy was all in. A couple of weeks ago, we hosted Janaki, didn't we, um, f- from New Wine India. And I was so compelled by her wholeheartedness, by her devotion, a lady who was willing to leave behind and become ostracized by her family to follow what God was asking her to do, and who now has changed tens of thousands of lives as a result. But it challenged me because I wonder if I've become comfortable If maybe in places I've just become complacent, what would it take for me and for you to be all in, to commit ourselves wholeheartedly, even if that meant risking our security, our safety, maybe even our life? Caleb was wholehearted in following God, and that was the essence of his different spirit. How about us? But then there's always the heart melters, aren't there? When we step out and we start being really wholehearted for Jesus, there's always some heart melters to be found. And Caleb talks about these guys. My fellow Israelites who went up with me, listen to this, they made the hearts of the people melt in fear. Have you ever felt that moment where your heart, you you, you feel like you've got the heart of a lion and you bound into a situation and then someone cuts you down with a word and your heart begins to melt in fear? I definitely know that feeling. And Caleb says, I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Are you the kind of person who makes other people's hearts melt in fear? Or are you the kind of person who leaves them stronger and more wholly devoted to God than when you found them? Make no mistake, my friends, as soon as we catch that kingdom vision and step in wholeheartedly and say, I'm all in God, there will always be heart melters. 
We've all encountered them. The cynics, the complainers, the ones who are hard-hearted or half-hearted and who, instead of encouraging, find it easier just to snuff out someone else's vision, snuff out someone else's hope. They're the ones who pour scorn or contempt on another person's dreams, service, or endeavors. They spread a bad report to everyone, filling people's hearts with fear and toxic thinking. And heart melters tend to be contagious. Negativity and cynicism spread like wildfire. We can see it in our culture. We can see it across social media. But we can choose a different spirit, just like Caleb. So when God reveals something of his kingdom to you, when he gives you vision to see beyond the impossibility, don't let someone else's negativity determine your destiny. All those people listening that day had a choice whether to be strengthened and encouraged by Caleb's wholeheartedness or to be swayed and overwhelmed by the faint-heartedness of his peers. And we saw what happened. A whole generation had to die out before they could enter the promised land because their hearts melted. And only Caleb and Joshua, the guys who caught it, were the ones who got to inhabit that land. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, you know what, Nikki? I had dreams, but I encountered some heart melters, and I feel like I've blown it. I feel like it's over. I don't know how to pick them up back up off the shelf. It's not as simple as that. If that's you today, if you've lost heart, I know that our prayer team would love to pray with you, because more than ever, our world needs kingdom dreamers those who are willing to look beyond the rubble and the ruin that we, ruins that we see around us and to catch God's heart for his people made in his image. And finally, Caleb had a different mindset. He had a different way of thinking. And this is exemplified in his latter years. So he was 40 when he first went out to scout out the land. And he did that 40 days and he came back raring to go. But he has to wait another 45 years until it's time to step into the promised land because of all the other naysayers, basically. And so he's 85 when the time comes to step in. But he's the coolest. And this is why I love him, because Caleb's life shows us that actually age is nothing but a number. Our mindset determines our destiny. So he says this, look, I was 40 years old when Moses sent me to explore the land. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. Now listen to this, guys. If this doesn't inspire you, I don't know what else would. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. I love it. Caleb is cool. He's not deterred by his age. He could have grown weary waiting for that promise, surely. He must have just been going, I saw this. 
I saw this all that time ago and as the decades rolled by and it looked like it was never going to happen, I wonder if I would have lost heart. I wonder if I would have walked away. I wonder if I would have just given up on that dream. But not only is Caleb's mind entirely fixed on gaining that piece of territory for his descendants to come, He's also still physically strong. He's mentally strong. He's ready to go. He's not kind of flabby and waiting to get out there and train. He's ready for what God is asking him to do. What an absolute legend. He was constant. He was steadfast. He was unswerving. He was resolute in the thing that God had placed on his heart. And it begs the question... How much do we miss out on because we lose heart? If you're sitting here and you are in a more senior phase of life, I want you to know you're not obsolete. You're not past it. You are precious to God and you're precious to this family. There are people sitting here and I'm looking at some of their faces today who have that Caleb spirit and we are grateful for you. You've weathered so much change, but you bring wisdom and verve and service and enthusiasm and passion and commitment to our family and to the kingdom that is invaluable. Please don't think that we don't see you or we don't love you or we don't appreciate you. We aspire to become like you because you have that same spirit as Caleb. And for those of us who perhaps are younger, maybe some of our young adults sitting here today, I want to say this, learn from Caleb. Don't lose heart if it doesn't come together in five minutes. If in 20, 30 years you're still wondering what it's all about, God has a plan for you. He's got something for you to accomplish. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Be like Caleb. At a time in his life when most people are thinking about comfort and cruises and cocktails and winding down, Caleb's just getting going. He's still ready to apprehend the promises of God. His age did not dictate his mindset. That's a word for us, whether you are young or old. Don't let your age dictate your mindset. Come on. He's strong. He's got energy. He's got faith. You can just picture him, can't you? Just ready to go. He doesn't want to miss out. I always think of um, Sir Captain Tom Moore when I think about Caleb because that guy captured a different spirit at a time where everyone was flagging and fed up. This guy just steadfastly covering that ground and raising all that money for charity. I mean, what that guy accomplished in his latter years was incredible. And this is a freebie. Because of those four things that made up his different mindset, the end of Caleb's story was different to all of his peers. And I think that is the key. A different spirit leads to a different story. And instead of having to die out before walking into the promised land, this guy gets the land. He gets to see and inhabit that which God had promised. His story ends well. Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. And so Hebron has belonged to Caleb ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. 
Never has there been a time, my friends, where a different spirit is more needed. Let's stand. In just a moment, we're going to come back to worship. So if the worship team can make their way up, that would be great. But I'd love to pray for us this morning. Perhaps you have a dream that God has placed in your heart and you've taken a few deviations and detours. I think God wants to rekindle some of that for some of us today. Or maybe today you are reaching a place where you're thinking about legacy. You want every single second that you have remaining to count for the kingdom. And if that's you, I want to pray for you today that you would leave it all out there on the floor before you step into eternity, that you wouldn't dream small because you're older, that you would be like Caleb, ready to inherit all that God has for you. Let's pray. Jesus, I look out at this precious church family and I think about those faces that I don't see today, perhaps some who are watching online or who will watch through the week. And I I want to stop and say thank you for each and every one. Lord, I pray that we would be inspired by the life of Caleb, a man who had a different spirit. And I can only pray for myself, but I would say, Lord, I want a different spirit. Forgive me for the times where I'm negative or I look at the, poss the impossibility and the challenge and I, I whinge and complain rather than apprehending those promises and that kingdom vision that you've given me. I pray for those who are waiting, that they wouldn't grow weary in the waiting, that they would have that posture and position of readiness. I pray for those who have a rich legacy to leave, that you would inspire them today to keep going. And I pray for those who are young and just dreaming outrageously big dreams with you. Lord, I ask that you would extend them even further. That our young men would dream dreams and our old men would have visions. That we as a church would be known as having a different spirit. And as we think of Ben the cleaner today, I pray that we would take that different spirit into our reality on a Monday, whether we're at work, whether we're serving somewhere, whether we are engaged in family life, whatever we're doing in the Monday and Tuesday of our life, may we carry that different spirit into the small things so that we can stand out for all the right reasons. In Jesus' name, amen.